0: Hey everyone this is miss self-love and i am so excited today i have a special guest on the podcast today her name is misty lane we met at discover the author and speaker in you events uh, with lauren harris and we just connected she is an international Uh, author uh, international award-winning author and and an award-winning speaker and she's just amazing she's going to give us so much value today on this podcast about her life story and everything she has learned and misty say hi to everyone please
1: hello everybody i'm so thankful to be here miss self-love thank you
0: thank you for being on here today this is amazing And everyone, make sure you listen till the end to get the special value from Misty that we will be giving. So I'm just going to jump right into it, everyone. So the first question, Misty, is how do you keep a healthy relationship going with your significant other? I like to ask that question for the listeners because a lot of people on here are single. Maybe they've made some mistakes in the past with past relationships and we're looking to move forward so how do you keep a healthy relationship with your significant other healthy
1: well let me let me just this is going to be a kind of a twist with me because i've been through three divorces so you wow. know i might not have all the perfect answers but i can sure tell you what not to do how about that thank so. You, so yeah, you need sure. Yes. So I, you know, I've learned through the years that you have to pick and choose your battles, pick and choose your arguments, pick and choose your fights. As you progress in your lifetime, as you get older and a little bit more wise, I'm 52 now, you know, things start to take a different priority. When I was younger, it was, was he handsome? You know, what was he going to school for? Did he have a good car? Did he have a good, you know, ambition in life? Then later in life when I was in my thirties and I started having my kids, it was more about, okay, does he have a job? Is, you know, is he stable? Is he good with kids? And now it's more, does he have pension? You know, is he, if he's divorced, you know, how, how did he treat his kids? You know, was he there for them? That kind of thing. So pick and choose your battles about what's important, what's priority. Don't fight over everyday little bitty things because and at the end of it, you know, a good partner is just you need to look at those core values that are important to you. And that's what you keep them accountable to is those core values, the lying, the cheating, you know, they're like if they're religious, those kind of things. So on top of that, the only thing I would add would be communication is key. You have to be able to communicate. If you do not, you grow. If you have a problem with something your partner's doing and you're, you don't tell them about it, that's just unfair because how are they supposed to make it any better? It, you know, how are you supposed to work through a challenge if they're not even aware that you have an issue? So communication, that's my answer.
0: Thank you so much for that, <laughs> Misty. I love the way you talked about core values and the main things because I spoke about core values on an episode I had by myself. And the core values of keeping a healthy relationship. So I love the way you said that we should find just core values as to what we're, what we want in the relationship.
1: Right. I just want someone that won't lie to me, that won't cheat on me, and someone that'll love me through my, my imperfections. You know, and, and I feel like if, if I can give that to a partner, why can't I find a partner that can give me those things? It's, it's tough. It's tough.
0: Right, right, right. I definitely understand what you're what you're saying. So thank you for that information, Misty. That was that was right. great. That was great. So we're gonna move on, and we're going to. Um, I want to talk about your book. I read some of the first chapter. I am gonna read the rest. I am each day. <laughs> so I read some of your first chapter when you were a little girl and you were in pageants. And you said your parents. Based a lot of things on look, so just tell us about your book and why you wrote it, and you know how it will help people. What's the title of the book, Misty? For everyone,
1: the title of the book is What Goes Up, and it's about overcoming your worst to live your best. And the reason I wrote that, I actually wrote that book sitting in a jail cell, waiting, awaiting a 40 year prison sentence. I grew up. spoiled little girl I didn't want for a lot I was in beauty pageants I was in dance I I pretty much had everything going for me I knew from early on I wanted to be a surgeon and I just I started working that plan Um, went to college uh, got married had started having my family had two two little girls got into medical school and found out he had a woman pregnant And it just devastated Uh me because I immediately, immediately turned to, it must be my fault. I'm not good enough. You know, and I'm sure a lot of people that are listening relate to that because we, we want to blame ourselves for things. Some of us want to point the finger, but a lot of us also think it's us, you know, we weren't good enough. So I carried that around and went to a deep depression. We ended up divorcing and, um, I met a man and it didn't matter what caliber of man it was at that point in my life, I just needed validation that I was good. So anybody that told me I was pretty or smart or funny, didn't matter who or what, if he was, you know, smart or good looking or whatever, I, I was all about him. So this man, I started dating, introduced me for the first time in my life at age 31 to cocaine. Mm-hmm. And I made a choice one day. Uh, you know, I did not respect that moment of choice and I made the wrong choice, and it has affected my entire life. I became addicted to it for 10 years. It took me down. It turned into a horrific crack cocaine addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, I married my drug dealer because I was convinced I was in love with him. I have a 19-year-old son from him. Um, that turned into a volatile uh, domestic abuse relationship, and that's another thing. i would never been around domestic abuse, never really witnessed it, um, but I used to be Yeah. And I used to be pretty judgy Um, being transparent, which is what I'm all about, you know, because I believe that's the only way to help people is I I used to be that person that saw a woman with the black eye. And I would be like, you know, she's just stupid. Why does she stay? She doesn't, you know, but you can't you can't you just never say never until you've walked that walk, because I tell you. That domestic abuse, they will find every insecurity you have and they manipulate and twist and use it against you in such a way. I mean, it was amazing how I went from being such a confident. I would walk across, I mean, I was a Miss Texas teen runner up back in the 80s, and I walked across that stage with confidence mm-hmm. and power and you know, and all this self-pride. And he stripped me of everything. At the end of it all, I didn't even know what food I liked or what music I enjoyed because he told me the answers all the time he dictated so you know that was a horrible horrible thing to be involved in and I tried to get away I tried to leave and always went back he always smoothed his way back in and you know God just works things out for a reason and it's a long long story and you know I'd love for you encourage the the listeners to get the book um, and this self-love. After you read it, you can tell them about Yay. it. Yay! But um, it, the the way it ends up is, I was in the wrong place at the wrong time, doing the wrong things. I got attacked. Um, people were trying to take my car. I lost control of my vehicle. I ran into a parked vehicle, which in turn hit a lady that was standing in her yard, and it knocked her underneath her house and killed her. So I woke up in jail i facing a 40 year prison sentence for vehicular homicide. Wow. So I'm going from, yeah. So I'm going from becoming a surgeon to sitting, you know, spend the rest of my time in prison and, and just was pretty much convinced my life was over. I've never been suicidal per se, but I, I felt guilty for every breath I took. I didn't know how to live without the cocaine in my system because I was, you know, so addicted to it. Um, I didn't even know if I wanted to live or had to live. So it was a tough, tough, that was my rock bottom. I would say my daughter, I have my two daughters, you know, this time they're high school age. I just missed my oldest one's high school graduation because I was incarcerated. She wrote me a letter and said, you know, let it go, mom. It was an accident. You have to forgive yourself. That sparked something in me to start writing. So I actually started writing my story, sitting in jail, took me seven months. I wrote it by hand. And it's an account of my life and everything I went through and the funny thing about the whole the way that all comes down at the end is that when I got out of prison I only got a five-year sentence I was extremely blessed I came home rebuilt my life and then sat on that book for 12 years and didn't do a dadgum thing with it and it was because I was too afraid what people were going to think about me see I'd already rebuilt a new life and I didn't want people to know that that misty from the past, that dark person. So I hid it. Well, when my grandbaby, my first grandbaby, was born on the same day, September 18th, that the wreck happened, she was a full term baby. Born the day she was two, got stuck. I mean, do got stuck in the birth canal. Had an oxygen deprivation, which caused a brain injury. So Eliana came out blind, deaf. She couldn't hold her temperature. She couldn't suck. Couldn't cry had severe brain damage. And I actually let my past rob me of my future because I convinced myself that that was my fault. Miss self-love, that date, I mean, what a coincidence, right? Yeah. yeah. So I just knew, I knew I caused that and that was my punishment. And that's when everything turned around in my life. And I said, you know what? The God I I know doesn't, doesn't love like that, number one. And number two is they told us in rehab only 3% of us would ever make it to the other side of addiction. I was sitting there nine years out clean, nine years out. I was a three percenter. So then I realized, you know what girl, you got some strength in you, you know, you need to pull yourself up and get out of this, get out of this hiding all your stuff and get out there and use this to help people because so many people out there are letting their past just rob them. Of everything that they have looking forward to so that's when I rewrote the book and instead of it being a book out of anger and blame and darkness I rewrote it out of accountability and forgiveness and it changed my perspective on everything I learned to see the positive in every situation if it wasn't obvious I dug and dug until I found it and that's what I concentrated on I put all my energy on the positive things so that's how I got to where I am and My message, I've started a movement called Hashtag Be That One. I have a Facebook page, and it is all about encouraging others to step up. I dare them to share their raw, authentic, transparent stories, because I believe that truth is what's going to educate people so that we can judge less and mentor more. And that's my story, and that's what I'm sticking to right there.
0: (laughs) Well, I definitely, um, I love the way you said that you, wrote the book 12 years later from a different perspective because if you wrote it too soon sometimes things happen because we we write it too soon you know oh if you wrote it too soon it would have not been the same as 12 years later so that's why sometimes we need to grow more sometimes we think we know and then we don't you know so
1: my sister my sister has a saying she told me when i was in the middle of my addiction she said everything is going wrong just right because god is in control and you know the more you think about that if if i go too fast and i don't use the clutch or the brake and i get there too fast i'm not going to be ready that's right so i agree and i also eliana my grandbaby she passed away january 11th she was I'm four. sorry about that and thank you thank you um there's a lot that goes i you know i'm It's emotional, but I'm not I'm you know, this is I'm here for a different space and reason right now. But I wanted to mention that because I feel like it's come around full circle. Like my story wasn't complete yet. And I've procrastinated on doing a lot of things I wanted to do, like retreats and shows and podcasts and different things, but it's because I wasn't ready. Just like you said, Miss Self Love, I wasn't ready. Her death. Has has shown me so many ways that we can bless each other, and it's taught me patience and empathy and compassion. And I believe now that my fire is lit, and I believe now is the time.
0: It is the time.
1: It is the time. Yes, ma'am.
0: Definitely. It is. Everybody (laughs) got different different things that help. You know, help to put the fire under there. But for me, obviously, it was a breakup. Yeah, Everybody yeah got different things that put fire oh, yeah. under there behind and make them realize you know what i only got one life
1: <laughs> that's right you know and the thing about the men thing with me or your partner or whatever you know when you're getting ready for a date and you're sitting there and you're telling yourself oh my gosh i gotta get my makeup just right girl how do these heels look how's my hair look you know is he gonna think i'm fat whatever But now it's like, uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh, hell no. Back that up. It's going to be now when I'm getting ready. I hope I like this guy. I hope he's good enough for me. You just got to just change that whole perspective around. And it really does make a difference.
0: Yep. That's exactly what I did. I started putting my checklist on the table and they better hit the all those points. Check, check, check.
1: That's right or they're out of there
0: that I mean if they, if they might as well be out of there or you're just gonna you know be settling and be unhappy and grumpy anyway if you don't have those core values like you said
1: yeah we have to set standards for ourselves, and I think that's what I was lacking is I was lacking the self love of my you know I was lacking that self love so I just would go with whatever and there's an analogy I use in my book I think this is a great place to interject it here it's it's like looking at your at your life situation like the ocean when i was in my addiction i was like a catfish you know the catfish are bottom feeders they're all the way at the bottom they eat all the the old food and you know they're all the stuff that all just the junk at the bottom it's dark and murky and muddy no sunlight can reach the bottom down there um so the only people the only other fish that are around down there are other scum suckers right other dirty, nasty fish. Mm. So when I was in my addiction, the only people I associated with or the only love interest I had were other scum suckers. So I married my drug dealer. So that's a great way to see that. Now, as I started healing and going through therapy and rehab and different things and trying to improve on myself, I raised up in the water level. And now I'm I'm swimming higher. I'm getting a little bit more fresh food. Sometimes I get some sun rays that come in. The fish have color, they're prettier. Uh-huh. But then as we continue to grow and heal and we're at a place where we're happy with ourselves and we love ourselves as we are, now we're at the top. We get the fresh, best food, the sun rays hit us. It's the most beautiful fish are at the top. And that's the kind of fish I'm gonna attract is other beautiful fish. So we need to raise our water levels. That's what we need to do. Raise the water level and attract some some prettier fish.
0: No, I love that. That is a beautiful, the way you put that is amazing. Because it's like, if you don't raise the water level and them standards, what do you expect? That's right. What do you
1: expect? Exactly.
0: <laughs> and...
1: If you run around with catfish, you gonna you just that's the only people you're gonna see or date or catfish.
0: Exactly, you gotta raise the bar so you can be around people that have raised the bar. I definitely,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I definitely yes, agree ma'am. with that. I def- yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So your story is definitely amazing. I know it's going to motivate the listeners on here. What? Where can everyone find you, Misty? To
1: my website is Misty Lane, M-I-S-T-I-E-L-A-Y-N-E.com. Uh, my book is for sale. If you get it on the website, I can autograph it and send it to you. Or you can get it on Amazon, uh, Walmart, Target, bookstores. It's pretty much all over. And then <clears throat> my email is lane mistylane at MistyLane.com. So there's all kinds of ways. All my social media is Misty Lane. Facebook, Instagram, it's all Misty Lane.
0: Thank you, Misty. Everyone definitely, definitely contact Misty because this is amazing. She has a lot of life stories and lessons and definitely get the book and read the book. Okay. So Misty, so what you talked a lot about your self-love challenges. What is one more self-love challenge you would like to talk about that you got over to give value to the audience any before we leave
1: i i would say being honest with yourself like daring to be honest with yourself because oftentimes we see people and we think they're happy but we don't really know what's going on inside Um, um you know i i can tell you You know, I'm just going to be transparent because that's what I, you know, I try to be transparent with everything because I believe that's the only way we help each other. I had gotten up to about 280 pounds Uh. and I was using little Debbie cakes, chips, just whatever to, you know, self-sabotage because I think through all of the, abuse i lived through and all the the shame i carried from all the horrible things i did during my addiction the people i hurt i carried all that around with me it hurt me Uh, and i beat myself up over for it you know i self-sabotaged as punishment by staying overweight and i went and had gastric sleeve surgery done four years ago i lost about 60 pounds but never, never lost anymore. Oh. And, you know, I was in menopause. They had some things working against me. But, um, but the, the, the whole point of me saying that is you, it, you can go have your stomach cut. You can go have liposuction. You can go have all these things done. But until you look in that mirror and you get real and you get honest with yourself and you face those demons and you face those fears and you take the time to work through them, you're never going to be happy because i've seen people because i kept eating i kept eating through all that because i hadn't i hadn't cleared the junk from my trunk Uh, yet you know know. see what i mean by that i haven't cleared that junk so cutting my stomach out can only help so Uh, much um i know women that have had the sleeve surgery or gastric bypass and gotten down to 100 pounds and thought when they got skinny they would be so happy and they're miserable. And it's because they haven't been honest with themselves. Uh, uh. So it doesn't matter. You've got to find the space you're in and you have to face it and you have to challenge yourself, dare to go in and do the work and love that person. And then once you do, all that other stuff is gonna come into play. Uh. So that that's what I say is just get get honest with yourself, be transparent with yourself.
0: Mm. No, thank you for saying that because you couldn't have said it any better because I've been trying to tell people that for years and they just look at me like I got five heads because the world has, (laughs) you know, just basically took over our mind with all of that. So when you say stuff like that, people look at you like you're crazy because they're brainwashed, right? So, I I mean, it's okay. We all, you you know, it's just whatever. But when you say it like you know you've been through it yourself and you can tell your own story you know then it makes sense because you already went through it you're telling the truth like look the self-love is inside of you it's not getting to this point getting to that point is you gotta dig deep yeah
1: that's right so
0: thank you for saying that you know that's just my own thing that I've been trying to tell people for 500,000 years nobody was listening to me so when they listen to this episode and you said it you know (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe maybe I said it in a way somebody will oh, understand you did. it because you, know, sometimes you we broke have to it hear down
0: it. like I'm like I'm like hello <laughs> like what you don't understand like that's one thing's not gonna make you happy
1: like <laughs> that's right and I think that goes back to with what I said in the beginning with the whole be that one movement I mean I believe when you're authentic and you're real and, and you're truthful and transparent about the good and the bad People are going to be receptive. That's how we learn. That's how we educate. That's how we know we're not alone. And without that, you know, then it's just a bunch of fakeness. But when we are real and transparent and we teach each other and educate each other, then we can start judging less and mentoring more. And I think that would make the world such a better place.
0: Thank you so much for just being real open and honest about your story. And about the just everything you you went through because it's a deep story. I know it's going to resonate with plenty of people on this on this podcast. To so basically, you know, the moral to your story is to basically don't let your past haunt you,
1: or don't let it rob you of your future. Don't exactly. let it rob
0: you of the future. Yep. Keep going. We all have things in our past that it's like we did that we're probably ashamed of or didn't work out, and you know, and sometimes mm-hmm. it's not even. You, as big sometimes it's small like you know because I was definitely um, embarrassed about a breakup <laughs> so sometimes you'd be like yeah. what the heck like you start thinking like why was that so you know so we make it bigger in our heads sometimes than it really really is or so
1: well that goes right back to with the domestic abuses as, as well oh, I uh-huh. mean you know when I when I would get a black eye I was embarrassed, like I had done something wrong and I was ashamed. Yep. But you know, it was him. But I was the one toting it around. So I was one that felt the shame with it. So, you know, like again, it's all going back to you and realizing you had that each of us have inner strength that we haven't even tapped into yet. We are so empowered that we don't even know how to use it. Mm. You know, we and, have more power we, than we think we do. <laughs> I'm telling you, women are powerful, yeah. powerful, powerful, powerful creatures. <laughs> Yes, ma'am.
0: Wow. Well, thank you. Thank <laughs> you for all of that. Thank you for being honest and just real and transparent. You know, hopefully
1: somebody will well, let their you. past
0: go after this episode and move on, right?
1: That's right. And I'm gearing up now to do my retreats. I am going to be doing quarterly women's empowerment retreats. Um be that one right to ignite women's empowerment and it's all going to be a three-day retreat that focuses on using writing to to let some of that toxic shame and guilt go learning how to use writing as a tool to help yourself and and you know sort things out and heal and and get closure on things so it's all about that and i'm excited for that because that's um i think it's important
0: thank you i definitely will be at that retreat and i can't wait to get the dates and everything together because <laughs> i am coming I am um, don't yes. do it on May 9th though, because I have a uh, an event I have to be at. So
1: nope, won't be May 9th. My daughter's graduating. She's getting her PhD in nurse anesthetist, and she's been in school forever, and I'm just so proud of her. So uh, she's graduating that weekend uh, too. So nope, we're safe good. that weekend.
0: Congratulations. <laughs> I'm glad that weekend is X
1: door for everybody. No, <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Well, that, and like and that's taken like I said you got to find something positive in all the negative and that's what you focus on and so honestly miss self-love the 10 years that I drug my kids through total hell I drug them all that stuff I drug them through it has made them powerful yes. strong yes. and resilient yes and the my three kids can take on anything of course they're ready they're ready. So that's something positive that came oh, from it. Yeah. And, you know, God willing, and, and, you know, they keep their sanity up to this point at ages 30, 28, and 19. Yes. None of them have been into drugs. But, so, and I believe it's because they learn, yeah. you know, it's what you do with the information, it's what you cho- it's how you choose to use the knowledge. Yes. You know, you can use it for the good or you can ignore it. So, right now they're choosing to use it, and I'm proud of that
0: that's right and you had a lot more to do with that like you said than you realized so it, yeah
1: yeah good that's amazing yes ma'am
0: that's amazing <laughs> no it's a part you got to bring out the positive and everything that you do or everything the positive yes. out of every situation i agree
1: everything everything
0: that's right so thank you misty for coming on and giving us value And telling your your story with us and sharing that. So I appreciate that. Is there any one last thing you want to say to the listeners before we go?
1: I just want to say, if you're in a bad place, look inside and find that strength and pull yourself up. Just pull yourself up and love yourself.
0: Yes. Thank you so much for that. All right, then. So thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening and have a nice night.
1: Thank you, Ms. Self-Love. Thank
0: you.